0: To get to know Him. For Him to be part of your life. For Him to be involved in your life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, talking about men of God, and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and to be at peace among yourselves. God established the position of the man of God, and then He tells His people, obey them, submit to them, and now He says, esteem them. Hold them in high regard. Get to know them. Let them be a part of your life, an important part of your life. And the last thing you want is to invite into your home a wolf in sheep's clothing. And yet, so many people did it with David Koresh and so many people did it with Jim Jones and I think so many people are doing it with a lot of TV preachers today. It's important to get it right. Because you're called upon to obey, to submit, and to esteem them. And thirdly, another reason that you want to be smart and you want to be informed. You don't want to be the typical Christian today that just, you know, looks for the feel-good opportunities but doesn't want any responsibility and, you know, just make themselves feel good. Here it is, number three. It is important to identify a true man of God because you're instructed to support him financially. First first Timothy five seventeen. Let the elders, the men of God, that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. And when it talks about double honor, I checked it out, and every and this is a bit unusual, I checked ten commentaries, you know, men that I trust. There word, they said, every, every one of those says that's referring to supporting a man of God financially. And my point is not that. My point is, the last thing you want to do is give money to a snake. The last thing you want to do is give your hard-earned money to someone who is phony and a fraud. Now remember, they're tricky. They look good. They're smooth. They're professionals. I mean... They say so many good things. They do so many good things. That's neither here nor there. (coughs) It's important to identify a true man of God because for you to be right with God, as the Bible says, and it's awkward for me to say this, but that's part of your giving. And the last thing you want to do is to obey, submit, esteem, or financially support a religious fraud. So, is it okay? Well, I'll just go and it'll be what it'll be. If he's a phony, God will take care of him. No, the Lord tells you. You will know them by their fruits. You need to look, you need to look out for certain things. In the, in the case of a false prophet, you need to know what a false prophet looks like. And then contrary to that, you need to know what a real prophet looks like. So it's critical that you be able to recognize a true man of God. And it's really laid out for us in so many places. But I just want to look at one passage in 1 Timothy (coughs) chapter 6. We've already looked at the verses. Verses 11 and 12. We know that paul is talking to timothy we know that timothy is a true man of god and we know that he's a true man of god we know what a true man of god looks like because of the instructions that paul gives to young timothy timothy this is how you're to live your life and if we see somebody living their life according to these instructions we can assume that he like timothy is a true man of god so what does paul say a true man of God, first of all, is known by what he flees. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Flee these things. You know that you are following a true pastor, a true preacher, a true man of God, because there's some things he's not going to take part in. There's some things that he's not going to do. So there in verse number 11, when he says, flee these things, what's he talking about? Well, he's talking about what he just talked about prior to this verse. Back up in, you know, we're in um, 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, flee these things. Well, let's go back earlier in the verse and see what things he's talking about. Well, verse number 3. Before he says flee these things, here are the things he's talking about. In verse number three, he says, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, a true man of God is going to flee false doctrine, he is going to recognize religious fads. And false doctrine. And he is not going to embrace everything that just comes down the road. He flees those things. A lot of people are embracing the false doctrine where they ordain homosexuals. Lots of churches today, entire denominations, have said it's okay to ordain uh, homosexuals. But the Bible says a true man of God can recognize false doctrine and he's not going to jump on that bandwagon no matter how popular it is. False doctrine allows for the ordination of women today, just to give you some examples of what I'm talking about. And false teachers don't have a problem with that. That makes them seem to be more loving, more kind. But a true man of God knows, no, that's a false doctrine. There's no way you justify the ordination of homosexuals. You identify the ordination of of women. False doctrine will allow for cornal, worldly music, music that does not represent the character of Christ. The music that we do in here needs to represent the character of Christ. And there's a bunch of stuff today. Sounds more like it came out of a rock and roll concert. And it's, it's honoring, you know... Uh, The Rolling Stones and so many of those other probably young people don't even know what that group is. I guess I'm I'm dating myself there. But you you, you get the point. A true man of God is not going to fall for everything that comes down the pike. Everybody's going to do it. And I I, I can think of things through the years that seem to be popular in in Christian circles and everybody's going to see this. And there's been a few times I've had to stand up here and say, "Uh uh-uh. You know. Just because it's popular doesn't make it right. They flee false doctrine. He says that in verse number 11. Or in verse number 11, he says, flee these things. What things? Well, back up in verse number 3, he talks about doctrine. And then he talks about pride in verse number 4. Talking about false teachers. He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words. Whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmising. A true man of God is going to be known by the fact that he flees from the pride that causes his teachings to be thought superior from the Bible's teachings. He is proud. A man like David Koresh, a man like Jim Jones, both claimed to believe the Bible, but had in their minds divine inspiration to add to it. Now, if that's not pride, I don't know what is. A true man of God believes the Bible is the Word of God. He believes the Bible is our final authority. And he's committed to preaching it accurately and its entirety. And he believes that it is complete. So you know a man of God by the fact that there's some things he's going to stay away from going to do his best to stay away from false doctrine, going to do his best to stay away from pride that sets him up as the ultimate authority. And, you know, I know the Bible says this, but I think we can add homosexuality, and that's okay, and then love of money. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 5, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is Godliness. Well, I am so blessed financially because I am so godly. A true man of God, a true prophet of God, flees from the idea that ministry is motivated by money. He's telling Paul, be willing to make financial sacrifice. Be willing to set the example in giving. Don't ask of your people anything you're not willing to do. And at the same time, be generous to others. So Paul tells Timothy in verse number 11, flee these things. These things that he's talking about are the things he already mentioned. Doctrine, false doctrine, pride, and money. So a man of God, a true man of God, is going to flee certain things. He's not going to jump on every bandwagon that comes down the road. And then, number two, a true man of God is known by not only what he flees, but what he follows. So he says again in verse number 11, but thou, O man of God, here's a man of God, flee these things, Okay, this preacher, he's not jumping on every bandwagon that comes on. He shows some discernment, some wisdom, gives you biblical reasons why I know we're not going to do this, even though everybody else is doing it. But you're also going to notice that he follows certain things. He is committed to certain things. And he lists them. Righteousness, godliness, <clears throat> faith, love, patience, and meekness. I was a part of a ministry one time. And you say, Pastor, somebody in that ministry might hear this and say something. That's okay. But I was part of a ministry one time where if the church went to some event, the pastor would go and say, say they're at a restaurant and, or at a camp or whatever, the pastor would go and sit down and expect the congregation to wait on him. Look at me, Sharon. She doesn't like when I go there, but am I right? No. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. While they're fleeing from the world, they should be running after spiritual virtues. John Owen, this is a Puritan preacher, said, a minister may fill his pews his communion role, and the mouths of the public. But what he is on his knees in secret before Almighty God, that he is, and no more. The Bible says a true man of God is to follow after righteousness, doing right what is before God. He follows after godliness, thinking what is right before God. He follows after faith, an unswerving confidence in God's power, God's word, God's purpose, God's plan, God's promise. He follows after love. He loves the Lord and he loves people. He follows after patience. That's the ability to endure hard times. And he follows after meekness. That's the ability to own up to your mistakes, to grow and to learn. A man of God is known by what he flees, what he follows. And number three, a true man of God is known by what he fights. There are some preachers today on TV and particularly well-known All they are known about is what they love. Oh, that's the most loving pastor in the world. He would never criticize homosexuality or anything like that. He is so loving. No, he is so phony. Because Paul told Timothy, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, and whereunto thou art also called, and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. That, that doesn't mean that a preacher should be contentious and just going around looking for a fight. But he's going he's to stand for truth and he's going to be against error. One writer said, the quote's behind me, it says, fight the good fight of faith. What it means is the noble fight. The noble fight for the faith. The content, the content, content of the Christian faith. Why? Because biblical truth is always under attack. Every faithful preacher is a fighter. And a true man of God is going to face opposition. Jesus sure did. The apostles sure did. A true man of God will face desertions. Paul said, Demas, hath forsaken, forsaken me. A true man of God is going to face second-guessers. A true man of God is going to face those who go AWOL. A true man of God will experience setbacks. A true man of God will grow weary sometimes. And a true man of God will not be liked by everyone. I hadn't planned on including this, but I, I, I will... The church we came to before we were here, it did have that kind of leadership. The pastor expected to be waited on. Uh, nobody in that church, and it was a good-sized church, knew what his salary was, and he wasn't going to reveal it to anybody. Well, how, how'd they, how did they vote? Didn't they vote on the budget? They did, but they, just had it, they didn't have it broken down. They just had staff, and he was included in there. Because he didn't want anybody to know. And he didn't have any deacons either. Because he didn't want to be answerable to to anyone. And I am pausing because I'm forgetting where I was going with that. And it was going to be brilliant. In my mind, anyway. Fight the good fight of faith. Where was I going? It'll it'll come back to me in a second. Um, I'm trying to think now. Anyway. A true man of God is going to have folks get upset with That's why he said fight the good fight of faith. A fight is a fight. And Paul's pulling no punches there. So a true man of God is known by what he flees. A true man of God is known by what he follows. A true man of God is known by what he fights. And as we conclude, there's one last quote that I'm going to share with you that I think may be the most important thing I've said today. This is a quote that I was not familiar with until maybe the day before yesterday when I found it in preparation. Because even a true man of God is a sinner. Even a true man of God has his shortcomings. And, and, and I know probably some of you already thought about that. You, you think, well, wait a minute, Pastor. You're not Timothy. You're not the Apostle Paul. Well, even Timothy and the Apostle Paul would tell you they had their faults, and surely I have mine. And then I ran across this quote, <coughs> and it's a quote I think I will hold on to and appreciate for many years to come. And the quote is this. There is no one without faults not even, men of God. They are men of God not because they are faultless, but because they know their faults. They strive against them. They do not hide them and are ever ready to correct themselves. It's a very good quote. It's a very good quote. Because I think that answers a lot of questions for me and a lot of questions for you. You will never have the perfect pastor. Had that been Paul, had that been Timothy, that statement would still be true. So rather than saying, well, I'll just go it alone. No, Pastors, including this pastor, are imperfect. And this person says it so well. I, th- this is a profound quote for me. There is no one without faults. Not even men of God. They are men of God not because they are faultless, but because these men are different. They're not hiding them. They know they're And I know a lot of good preachers. And when I talk with them privately, they can beat themselves up if they're not careful because they know the high calling. They know what it means to be labeled a man of God. And they know they're not there. And I know that I'm not there. And this so helped me. They are men of God not because they are faultless, but because they know their faults. False teachers don't go there. They strive against them. No false teachers embellish them. They do not hide them and are, are ever ready to correct themselves. So the Bible says, study to show thyself approved. You want to know that there are false prophets out there, but you need to know there are true prophets out there and you will know them by their fruits. And when you consider that you're supposed to obey, submit, esteem, and care for the man of God, it only makes sense that you want to get it right. The last thing you want to do is give that kind of honor, if you will, to a snake or to a wolf in sheep's clothing. Let's stand, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.